0: So last weekend, the church presented us with another reading from the book of Genesis. Where it was the story of Adam and Eve, and Deacon Buddy preached on it uh, all last weekend. And so we heard that story was the, the account where after God creates them, and he gives them permission, he gives them some permissions to eat of any tree in the garden. And along with the permission, he gives them a prohibition to not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think oftentimes when we hear or think about the story of Adam and Eve in the fall, we only think about the prohibition God gave to them. And we fail to remember what God told them they could do, to eat of any tree in the garden. And if we remember our Bibles correctly, there was a tree called the tree of life. They had total access to bountiful beauty, to an abundance of grace. And so there's two voices at play in this this account. We have the voice of God giving permission and prohibitions. And then we hear another voice come in. It's the voice of the enemy when he starts to speak to Adam and Eve, especially to Eve. And so there's two voices competing in the beginning of the scriptures. You could say the higher voice, and maybe the lower voice, represented by the serpent. And we know the story that they listen to the lower voice. They forget about the higher voice. Or as the, the catechism beautifully says when it describes the fall, it says that they let their trust in their creator die. They let their trust in their creator die. They let their trust in that higher voice die and they settled for the lower voice. And so what happens is the fall of humanity and so what we have now here in our first reading today is kind of like the beginning of the rescue operation God is going to initiate. It's the rescue mission that he is going to begin to, to begin salvation history. And who does he choose? A 75-year-old man, a nobody, he's not royalty, he's not anybody with power, he's just a retired guy. So, I want to say something, before I go further in the homily, if you're 75 and years older in this church right now, your job is not over. It may just be getting started. For Abram, it was just getting started. There's a beautiful detail in the gospel that I kind of wanted you to pick up this morning as we, as we heard it proclaimed and as we read it. We hear this. The Lord said to Abram, right, the higher voice here. Go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Here we have God speaking to Abram and he's saying, I want you to go from the, where, the place where you grew up, the place where you're comfortable, the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house. I know you're all settled, you're retired, right? You got your your 401k coming in, right? Nice little stipend every month. But Abram, I want you to go from your house. I want you to take a step out of comfortability. But this is the best part. He doesn't tell him where he's going. He says, go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. He gives him no destination. He gives him no plans. He gives him no itinerary. He doesn't say, hey, take a left on 90, go about 10 miles down, take a left on Cowan, go north. Nothing. 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 All he's told, get up from your comfortability and just go. And then as we look further in this reading, what fascinates me is that God just starts going with future tense here. He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. All the communities of the earth will find blessing in you. Has anything happened for Abram yet? No. It's all on a promise. It's all on a promise. He's saying, look, just go and I will show you. In other words, what he's asking them to do, what he's asking Abram to do is what? Have faith in me. Trust me. Adam and Eve let their trust, their faith in their creator die. And so how does God begin the rescue operation? He calls a man to the fundamental aspect of our faith, and that is to trust God. If it failed with trust, it has to begin with trust. So he's kind of like a new Adam. He's asking him to trust me. Trust me, Abram. Trust me. You know, we often hear the word, the the phrase, I mean, faith is blind. You ever heard that before? That's false. Faith is not blind consider that blindness in this life is what blindness is a deficiency in someone blindness is a deficiency it's something that we don't have we don't have sight and so we can't say that faith is like being blind because faith is not being deficient faith is being fully alive it's being fully fulfilled and so maybe i'd like to propose for you today that faith and trust is not supposed to be seen as though we're blind but let me say this To have faith is to have uncertainty, just like Abram had. But to have faith and trust is being willing to close your eyes on your own will and begin to follow. You see the difference? Blindness isn't chosen. It's just a state you're born into. But when you have the courage to close your eyes, even though you know it will bring upon you darkness, and you still follow the Lord in that uncertainty, that's faith, that's trust. Maybe to use this image, when two lovers go to kiss, they don't do it with their eyes open. But as they approach one another with their eyes open, there's a moment where they both close their eyes. And then the embrace happens. So what is faith? What is trust? It's an embrace of the divine and the human. It's this magnificent, fascinating embrace between God and us. And we have to close our eyes. We have to trust. We have to have faith. So God presents to Abram, Go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will, I will, I will, I will. And then how does our story or this part of the story end? What does it say Abram does? Abram went as the Lord directed him. He didn't ask questions. He didn't say, Hey, Lord, are uh, you going to drop me down some Google Maps here? You know, give me an itinerary where I'm going? No. It just says he went. And this is why we call Abram, Abraham, our father in faith. That's why he's our father in faith, because God asked him to take a leap of faith. He asked him to close his eyes, to go into the uncertainty, to go into the darkness of what was to come. Not blindly, but trusting. Trusting. And so what does Abram do? He closes his eyes and he begins to walk. He has no idea where he's going. None. But he goes. He goes on a promise. He doesn't go blindly, but he chooses the uncertainty. He chooses the darkness, knowing that God will provide. You see... This story of Abram's kind of like the story we hear in the transfiguration of our gospel because guess what happens? Christ brings Peter, James, and John up the high mountain, and he transfigures before them, and he's in all of his glory. That the very glory that we will all see in heaven, Peter, James, and John got to experience here on earth. St. Paul says, beyond our imagination, nothing that we can see or think about. That's what they experience. And we know what Peter does? Peter's like, Lord, let's just stay here, brother. Mm. Let's just stay here. But the call of Jesus is the same with this call of Abraham. Peter, we can't stay here. You, you gotta leave the comfort zone. You gotta leave this, maybe to put in these words, you gotta leave the land of your kinsfolk. You gotta leave your father's house because we gotta go climb another mountain, brother. We have to go climb another mountain. You see, Peter, this n- other mountain that we're gonna have to climb, it doesn't look pretty. It's not appealing to the eyes. Because it looks like a man who's falsely accused. It looks like a man who's agonizing in a garden, sweating drops of blood, and his friends falling asleep. It looks like a man who is beaten 40 times and lacerate, they lacerate his body. It looks like a man who has a crown of thorns thrust into his skull. It looks like a man who has all of his friends leave him. It looks like a man who falls three times under the weight of the cross. It looks like a man who has that cross and he bears it on his shoulder. Could you imagine this rough rough wood just rubbing against his shoulder, causing it to bleed? It looks like a man who has been beaten, who has been crowned with thorns, who's carrying his cross, and they're still beating him. It looks like a man who is the son of God, who can't even carry his own cross and he needs someone else to help him. It looks like a man as he gets to the top of that hill who has to literally crawl to his own cross, to his own death. It looks like a man who has people spitting on him, yelling at him. It looks like a man who though opens his arms out so that nails are driven through. It looks like a man who hangs there for three hours in agony. It looks like a man who has a spear thrust into his side. It looks like a man who calls out as though God has forsaken him. You see, Peter, it's not a beautiful, it's not a beautiful sight. So that's why I'm asking you to close your eyes. That's why I'm asking you, Peter. That's why I'm asking you, Jesus says, to each and every one of you. The road to the cross doesn't look pretty. It's not appealing to the eyes. But I'm asking you to close them. I'm asking you to close them and to follow me. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house. Go forth from the place where you're just comfortable to the place that I will show you. Abram went. Abram went as the Lord directed him. Faith is not blind, my brothers and sisters. Faith is the choice to close our eyes, to walk after the Lord, even when there's uncertainty and even where there's darkness. Are you willing to have faith?